you know, we're summarizing that, you know, high inflation uh, is good for rent growth. Uh, it's also good for home prices. And someone who follows real estate or it, even, uh, you know, just casually just looking at, you know, single family home prices, they might scoff at the above or, you know, what I just said and saying that, well, the crash or correction has already started. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Rise and Invest podcast. I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. Welcome to the Rise and Invest podcast. If you're watching today, you see we're doing something a little bit different than some of the previous episodes. We're shooting more of a remote style episode today. I want to try out something different. I'm going to try to open up the pool of guests where we, if we can do these remote, that would uh, that would help do that. So shooting one today with with Evan Dillon, who's we're we're in the same office today. So we're just uh, to try it out. So yeah, thank you for Evan. having me. We are. Uh fully mobilized and uh, ready to go worldwide, I guess, uh, with the power of the internet. Yeah. So then this way where so far every guest, they, you know, they have to be in Chicago if you're going to shoot it in person. So I think this was uh, a, a good, a good first step figuring this out. And then two, I think um, something I haven't really mentioned before much, but I need to start uh, asking you guys all if, if we could, it would help a lot if we could get more reviews of the podcast. Um, just help others to, to share it. So if you're, you know, wherever you're viewing or listening to the podcast, if you could leave a review, just anything brief would help get the word out, feed the algorithm on whatever platform you're on, just to, just to get the podcast more out there. And today we want to shoot something that's uh, really topical. You know, we've seen online and then kind of been wondering to ourselves, like people talking about, okay, we're well, in interest rates, obviously went up, uh, inflation, is is really high and then what happens in those times you know with with interest rates and then multifamily rent growth you know or what's the correlation with inflation in multifamily rent growth you know so we we kind of we've we've dug into that and then also we went back and looked at the 1970s uh to kind of see what how did things perform when there was inflation and a recession so we're gonna dig into that today and then that's why i think it's nice uh to try this weapon, you know, uh, this remote style recording, because we can also put things on the screen. So we'll, if you're not watching, that's fine. We're going to uh, paint a picture with our with our words here. So you don't you don't need it. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what uh, the, the charts that that Evan made. So and to I think, Evan, if you could, why don't you I think you you're our number one uh, guest, I would uh, think at this point by uh, episode count, but why don't you just read? Yeah, uh, yeah, this might be like episode five or six uh, with me on. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, Evan Dillon, um, VP of Investments here at Rise Invest. Um, been working with Drew for about a year now. Um, I've been in the private equity real estate space for uh, probably like six years now. Um, and actually, before I joined the team here, I was working at a large institutional private equity firm. Um, did about two and a half billion dollars worth of transactions over my four years, um, uh, spanning all asset types, all investment strategies, both equity and debt. Um, 
And um, not only, you know, did I do a lot of acquisitions and transactions, but also did a lot of data analysis um, about real estate. And it's uh, one of my favorite things to do, um, do it for work a lot and sometimes for fun. So it's good to be back on, uh, good to be back on the show. And it was interesting when we met and I know we have a, had a March Madness episode, but at some of this, and it's, it's kind of relevant to what we're going to talk about where, uh, so what are the, some of the stuff you were doing with sports analytics? What's, what were you, you doing in your, yeah. Your so, um, you know, one of my, uh, personal obsessions has always been sports and, um, I guess I wasn't gifted with, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the natural abilities necessarily. Um, but I have applied my analytical capabilities to understanding sports, uh, better, um, namely in um, college basketball. So I've um, developed uh, a rating system and then a March Madness bracket optimization model um, that is used to optimize your chances of winning a March Madness pool. And uh, we have a whole podcast talking about it, you know, an hour and a half of, um, you know, deep dive basketball analytics, but um Predictive analytics has always been something that I've been very interested in. Um, and then not only that, but like optimizing, you know, your chances of return, whether that be a March Madness pool or analyzing real estate metrics for the betterment of our investors and maximizing our returns. Yeah. And so Evan's the person when we want to figure out like how would inflation and rent growth be correlated? He's uh, he's the the best one for that, where he's doing things like that, you know, uh, for, for real estate normally. And then also, you know, on, uh, you know, for, uh, all sorts of sports, especially that NCAA, how bracket model, which was one of the crazier things I've seen. I still remember where we got, uh, formulas that are seven lines long in Excel. Um, but nice. And then two real quick, I think we'll just to mention our website. So you can go to riseinvest.com. We have a ton of resources on there. We have a blog. Uh, as one of them, we just recently put out a blog on top 10 tips on managing a construction project, not not as the general contractor or the person who is uh, doing everything, just from a, more of an owner perspective, how to manage the general contractor owner relationship, how to handle payments. So that's our latest blog on there. We also have a portfolio section, which has information on all of our properties and Basically, it's like a mini case study, a few paragraphs in each deal, if you want to learn about how each deal went down. And then we have a trends report, which you can download, just showing the latest trends in real estate. And then also our passive investing guidebook, which that has all sorts of terminology and different parts of investing in real estate explained, uh, but really geared more towards a passive investor. You know, so let's say a passive investor would be someone they're not doing the deal themselves. They, um, you know, they're trying to keep their time available and not, you know, basically create a second job for themselves. They want to just invest money and not uh, get any more headaches. So that uh, we, we have everything in there from the basics on how these deals make money to um, how, how some of the tax strategies work even. So I think that's something that we all spent a lot of time on uh, putting together. Evan was a huge part of it. So um, just want to, want to mention that while we got Evan on here. Um, so yeah, let's just jump into it. So then Evan, we wanted to start out and find out um, what happens with rents at times of inflation. Is there any correlation with um, 
you know, inflation and rent growth. And then two, let's try to explain this as sort of as, as basic as we can. Like if someone, if they don't, if we like, let's even define correlation or what we would be looking for. So why don't you yeah, sure. Right in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I drew summarize kind of the, the question well in that we wanted to analyze, you know, large time series of data going back to however far we can go um, to get a sample from the, the U.S. economy in all different conditions. So times of expansion, times of contraction, times of high inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this analysis is composed of publicly available data from a website called the Federal Reserve Economic Data, uh, or FRED for short. Um, FRED has hundreds of thousands of time series for all kinds of data and indices. Um, and that spans, you know, international, national, and even like market specific. So we can evaluate things like individual demographic and economic uh, data by individual MSA, which has been um, very helpful. Um, it's quickly become one of my favorite sources for when performing data analysis, because the, the data that's available is very robust and it's very easy to download. So um, if data analysis is your thing, um, the listener, um, I would definitely recommend trying out the website. Um, and, you know, we've been doing a lot of granular analysis for individual individual markets across the U.S. And maybe we jump into that uh, on another podcast. But today we're kind of focusing on metrics for the overall U.S. market. So we've compiled a set of data uh, time series um, dating back to the 1960s. Um, so, like I said, you know, this data is quite robust. Um, and is representative of nearly all conditions of the U.S. economy. Um, some of the data that we gathered are uh, include CPI, um, obviously, because we want to understand um, inflation better, um, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage average in the United States, um, the index for rent of primary residences in the U.S., um, and we can use this to calculate rent growth. Um, rental vacancy rates, uh, median sales price of houses sold in the U.S., and then the S&P Case-Shiller uh, U.S. National Home Price Index. So we compiled each of these ind indices and then aggregated them, um, and we wanted to understand the correlation co coefficients between each of these variables. Uh, so all of this can be done um, in Excel, and there's actually a function called data analysis in Excel that lives up to its name, uh, doing data analysis. Um, but that function is mostly geared towards understanding the relationship between two variables. Um, so when we aggregate a list of data and we can have column by column of these different variables, we can then use that uh, data analysis and then correlation um, function to understand what the correlation is between each of these variables. So a correlation coefficient is, um, it's a statistical measure just used to, to quantify the strength of a relationship between two variables. Um, and this is portrayed as a value between one and negative one. 
So uh, one meaning that there's a perfect positive relationship. So um, as one variable goes up, the other one goes up as well. Or it could be the flip side where as one variable goes down, the other one goes down as well. Um, this is opposite of uh, this uh, correlation coefficient of one is a direct opposite of um, negative one, which would mean that there's a perfect negative relationship where as one variable goes up, the other goes down. And then uh, vice versa, if one variable goes down, the other goes up. And then between that is zero, which means that there's no relationship um, between any uh, between the two variables and there's really no takeaway. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the findings here, um, that, you know, I wanted to highlight, um, was that one of the strongest relationships that we found was that of CPI and rank growth, um, with a correlation coefficient of 0.69. Um, meaning that as CPI goes up, so does rank growth, um, with quite a strong relationship. And, you know, I'd say this re relationship is pretty intuitive, um, but, you know, this is really to point out, uh, really important to point out right now, just as, you know, the market anticipates how to best approach, you know, these times of rising interest rates and high inflation and a looming recession and how it'll rip ripple through the economy. Um, the biggest question, obviously, is, you know, what effect will there be on rents and rent growth? Um, which are two of the most important inputs when it comes to underwriting and modeling. Um, so, you know, with uh, a looming recession in mind, or at least some market turbulence, I think the first inclination for someone to have might be that, okay, recession equals contraction, contraction equals negative rent growth. Um, but not all recessions are equal. And you know, this period that we're in right now is defined by high inflation. Um, so all else being equal, the expectation should be that rent growth um, should remain high and be consistent with the high inflationary environment we're in right now. Yeah, and one thing too to jump in on, in this is something that's in our Passive Investing Guidebook. We talk about, um, this is related, but with correlations, not with inflation necessarily, but real like private real estate buying individual properties it has a really low correlation with other investment types i don't have it open or memorized but it was it was much closer to zero than it was to one let's say real estate with the stock market or with bonds or other investments i mean for memory i think both were below a point two and with zero being meaning there's zero relationship and so not not a strong one and it's it's interesting to see even anecdotally and depends on the market, but in one of the markets we look at uh, in these some of these recent weeks, you know, a month or two ago when the stock market was really taking a beating, I was talking to a multifamily broker and asked him how things were going. And he, he said, fine, just, you know, no one was um, really looking too hard last week because they were watching all their stocks fall. And I asked him if he thought it impacted pricing because, you know, you'd think eventually it would if everyone sort of loses their down payment in the stock market or something or um, they and he, he thought no in that market I, this is a less sensitive to interest rates that's chicago uh, where the unlevered yields are a lot higher so you're a little bit less sensitive to debt and there's a lot of long-term owners 
but that was just it's interesting because we have that in the guidebook and then there's i have a real phone call where it's like wow this really isn't correlated and it depends on the market you know some other markets where uh, you're really banking on high growth i mean those are gonna have different uh outcomes if people are not sure about the growth or you can never get it stabilized to a yield above your interest cost and interest cost just went up but so that's interesting this kind of a thing to to add and then so a 0.69 correlation was cpi to uh to rent growth is what we found download our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook today at riseinvest.com downloads accredited investors can sign up for our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website now back to the show so that was a period uh between 1964 and today so almost yeah, 60 years yeah a lot of time in there and that come you know we got the you know times where there's recessions there's economic expansion there's high inflation there's low inflation so i mean that um it's nice we're able to get that that data uh and then obviously the calcat what what have we learned what would is there a cutoff that you have in your head evan on like what would be a strong correlation with something so obviously if it's zero there's no correlation but if it's a you know, a point four. Are we thinking that's strong, or what? What would? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's important. You know, when we do this analysis and come up with a correlation coefficient, I think there's always uh, more than meets the eye with just a single number. And I think we'll kind of get into this um, on the next variable that we saw a strong correlation with. But uh, you know, it's really up to the the beholder. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of noise out in the real estate world um, and there's a innumerable number of variables um, to, to calculate and it, it can be difficult to find the signal within the noise and find those strong correlations. Um, so, you know, right now, I mean, in, you know, analyzing the, the, the variables that we did compare with each other, I mean, there's, there's not many, um, I'd say variables that do correlate well with each other. So when you do find one that has a strong relationship, such as a, a 0.69 correlation, um, which would be like an R squared value of like uh, 0.3 or 0.35 thereabouts, um, that's that's pretty that's a pretty strong relationship that you know we can take away from. Um, and you know I think uh, this kind of gets into my next point where. Um, you know, another really strong correlation um, that we found existed between rent growth and growth in the uh, Case-Shiller Home Price Index. So just the appreciation rate of homes. Um, and, you know, we found that the two moved very similarly, uh, although the, the rent growth fundamentals actually lagged behind that of the single family homes. Um, so when we just did the the correlation analysis at first that that correlation was pretty weak but then when we uh plotted it out on a chart and visualized both fundamentals moving side by side they actually the the movements were the exact same except there was a little bit of a delay so when we accounted for this lag we got to a correlation coefficient of 0.72 and that's the strongest relationship to come out of doing this analysis uh Intuitively, I, I think this makes a lot of sense that housing fundamentals, when 
whether, you know, single family homes or uh, just regular apartment rentals, um, you know, I would think that they would be closely related, but still, you know, some, some may be of the impression that heightened demand in one space or the other might be detrimental to uh, the other. So um, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting one. Yeah. And for, it's interesting. I mean, for me, that's not an intuitive relationship where I sort of came up in the 2005, 2000, like 2005 was when I bought my first rental property. And so I'm coming up in a time period where it was actually, it seemed like everyone who could rent unless they were a college student, they were, they were trying to buy uh, back in 2005, six, seven. So that, that's sort of where I got started and was like, what's um, I would have thought they are, were not, that correlated. So that was a surprise to me, just based on the anecdotes I had been hearing and seeing, um, you know, all, all through the early years of my career, where it was, you know, you do find that you all your renters were moving out to buy is how it felt. Um, it's just that was, you know, uh, not actually what the numbers were saying, really, what was happening, then is fine, they moved out. But then, as prices kept accelerating, then someone who I guess couldn't buy is moving into your your unit and then um, just everything is moving up, which that makes a lot of sense. So then when you sort of think back on it like that, that does make sense. Whereas actual home prices move up, you know, rents should follow right behind it. Cause that's, that's the alternative. And then just as a country, like more people are, you know, are owners than renters. So then that's going to move, uh, move the needle as well. Um, so yeah, interesting. And then uh, any other, thoughts on that Evan or no I mean I think you you hit it on the head and um, you know I think you talked about the the correlation coefficients for real estate relative to other asset classes and I think it makes sense that you know uh, the real estate uh, you know returns may not be so well correlated to like the, the S&P 500 or you know bonds or any any other type of uh, asset but so it makes sense to me that, um, you know, real estate fundamentals, you know, whether it be rent growth and then single family home growth, I would expect to see a, a higher correlation there um, just because they're they're so closely related. Um, and I guess one of the, uh, you know, I think one of the last correlations that I want to talk about here that um, it's a surprisingly weak correlation. And I think... Um, Knowing that relationship is, I think, just as important as knowing that um, there is a high correlation between two uh, uh, two variables. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you brought up uh, at the very beginning of the podcast and something that we've contemplated and um, many other investors I know are contemplating um, is the idea that higher interest rates um equals less homeowners um, and then less homeowners equals more renters, more renters uh, equals, you know, stronger demand for apartments and then the stronger demand equals higher rent growth. Um, so what we did was uh, we measured the rate of change of uh, the 30 year fixed rate mortgage average in the US and then compared that to rent growth. Um, and it was surprising to see that, uh, you know, the correlation coefficient here is positive, but it's it's very weak, like I said, of a value of just 0.3. Um, so I think that kind of goes against maybe um, 
the uh, at least the popular talk of you know these rising interest rates are going to create more demand for apartments at least historically um you know it doesn't hold up historically but i think we can kind of get into uh why it could be different this time and just in showing some of these visualizations yeah and it's been interesting just Read, reading what others are saying on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, or just talking on the phone where a lot of people think, um, yeah, what you said, where higher interest rates, that means less buyers of property, then that's going to equal more renters, more renters uh, equals higher rents. And then it's, it's interesting that that wasn't actually necessarily the case. Um, you know, especially we're looking at the other things where something much more indicative would be the housing market appreciating. So that, that was a surprise to me. And then I think it's interesting, the correlation between inflation and rents. That, that makes sense. It's something everyone always talks about, you know, but it's one of those things where, oh, you want to be in hard assets when there's times of inflation. Like you hear that everywhere at all times. And then, <clears throat> you know, you kind of wonder, well, okay, that makes sense if you, um, from like a cost to build standpoint, you know, where obviously if you were going to rebuild your building, it costs a lot more when there's high inflation, but you're not rebuilding it. You own it and you need to make repairs and pay bills. And those are also increasing. So it was interesting to see because um, that that the CPI and rent growth was so correlated. Evan, I think we put some visuals together. Or do we make any any visuals for this? Yeah. Yeah. And before. Um... I share my screen. I kind of just want to summarize uh, everything that we went over um, where there's a really strong correlation between CPI and rent growth with the correlation coefficient of 0.69. Also a really strong uh, relationship between rent growth and growth in uh, home prices. And then um, a fairly weak uh, correlation between rent growth and uh, the rate of increase in the mortgage rate index. Um, so, you know, that might be, uh, you know, we're summarizing that, you know, high inflation, uh, is good for rent growth. Uh, it's also good for home prices and someone who follows real estate or even, uh, you know, just casually just looking at, you know, single family home prices, they might scoff at the above or, you know, what I just said and saying that, well, the crash or correction has already started. Um, the, you know, the jury is still really out on, you know, what's going to happen with rent growth, but, you know, we're already seeing uh, single family homes falling out of contract, listings going up, uh, pricing, uh, price decreases, um, et cetera. But uh, to kind of put things into perspective, um, and I'm going to screen, uh, share my screen here. So this uh, chart um, identifies the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage average in the U.S. Um, as a form of a blue line going back to the uh, 1970s um, through today. So in just following this, uh, this index, I can calculate... Um, one of the things I really wanted to calculate was the rate of change and how severe it may have been in this last... Uh, you know, last few months um, with just the significant rate uh, increases that we've seen. So I have the mortgage rate index in blue here. And then in orange, this is the percentage increase per day required 
to reach the forward looking maximum. So, you know, with rates, you know, today at five and a half um, or thereabouts, you know, they were probably close to, you know, two, two and a half, uh, two and three quarters, um, you know, just about a, a year or 18 months ago. So actually this recent increase was actually the largest rate of increase ever on record, or at least during this time series. So going back 50 years, this rate of increase is actually four times greater than any sort of rate of increase that we've seen in the past. So, you know, I think this really puts things uh, into perspective because um, we've never been in an environment like this where rates have increased so dramatically in such a short period of time. Um, and then real quick, uh, and you'll, for anybody who's just listening, what we're looking at, it's it's a it's a chart, but what the, the main takeaway on it is we have uh, the interest rate uh, at the time mapped out and then also the uh, the daily, the, the, the change, uh, percentage increase per day mapped out in the, the highest percentage increase per day ever on this chart was back in until basically now was back in the eighties when it got to 0.10%. So 10 basis points. And then if, if a couple times got to like 0.1 and then in this, this recent, uh, you know, year or so, uh, just to keep it simple, we started getting as high as 0.5%. So we're not, uh, it's unprecedented. We're looking at a bunch of little, <clears throat> little ups and downs. And then there's a, like a Mount Everest at the end of the screen here for what we're, we're going through. So to Evan's point, it's like we, um, you know, we're not so much in the prediction business on this podcast, but we want to get you guys the information um, where, you know, what was, this was very surprising because, you know, you think, okay, it's some people, they're not buying properties now. They want to see what happens. And then what do we, what do we make of that? And it makes a lot of sense. When you look at this chart, you go, okay, I've been, this chart goes back to 1971. I've been doing real estate since 1971. I've never seen anything, even barely one fifth as big as this change we're having. So then what, what do I do? And you can see why people would give pause, or if you're going to, be buying a house or apartment building and your interest rate was going to be 4.0 and now it's five and a half, you know, maybe you change your plans now uh, and you're, 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 you're very startled by that. So be interesting to see how things shake out, but just to kind of give that color, just if you're, you're, you're listening only. So you're, you're not, it's with that description. I don't, don't feel like you're missing anything at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Drew. And, you know, like you're like you said, um, you know, now the market is really responding to this and volatile inputs into the market or into the economy, such as like significant rate hikes, um, you know, that will create volatile results. Um, so what I mentioned earlier about single family homes falling out of contract, pricing decreases, um, and, you know, while we like observed a, a low correlation between the rate of increase in mortgage rates and rent growth um, with something as dramatic as this, you know, my expectations at least would be, you know, there would be an increase uh, in or rent growth would benefit, at least in the near term, as uh, single family home prices kind of correct themselves as a result of these uh, significant rate hikes. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then I think too, also that, 
you know, one thing that's interesting in, in real estate is things are, it's, it's really like slow developing, you know, where you could, it, the more or less the same thing. We're shooting this in July. This is sort of what still hat was. If you look back on this chart was happening in the earlier part of the year. I mean, we were seeing the cost of our debt go up uh, when we we're pricing out new deals, you know, back in, in March even. But, you know, a lot of homeowners, they have 30 year fixed mortgages or even renters. They're in there for a one year lease. Um, you know, things is just not like an immediate response where all oh, the whole market can move. It's not like the stock market where you can just click a button. So be interesting to see how this shakes out, too, when you start thinking about sort of that time lag or, yeah, interest rates are up. But if you're a homeowner and you've been in your house for a while, I mean, you got to think basically everybody's refinanced at a really low rate. Um, you know, I know how, how low Evan's rate is on his house. This is, he's not, uh, that'll, that'll be tough to ever let that go now. Right. So then that's, um, you know, that that's going to be a factor, you know, so then that's just, um, not, not changing things there for, uh, for, for some people or will take, be a little slower to develop. So that's something interesting too, that I think about, because if you explain this to somebody who's like a stock trader or something, they'd be like, well, then just happen immediately and it's like well it's it's real estate's just slower in how things play out so you can see these things coming in and make adjustments on what you buy what you're doing um, but it's not just immediate so it'll be be interesting to see how things shake out then and then what i was going to say is just that i think the uh one thing that i was very curious about was what happened in the 1970s because Okay, we've had a you know economic expansion for going on you know fifteen years now, and the or you know pretty close to that, and so we I'm just rounding, but the um, and we have high inflation and we're really due for a recession. So wanted to see what happened in the 1970s because I um, my my parents they got married in 1972 and they bought a house uh, right around that time, and I remember my. My dad always saying, he's like, inflation, it was like 20%. Uh, you know, this is just from memory, so it's not, but he's like, and interest rates are almost as high. If I didn't buy a house that year, I felt like I would never be able to buy one. And at the same time, the, the economy was about to go into a recession. Um, but And so I was real curious, what does the data give us for the 1970s? Uh, because if we ever have any sort of time period that's similar to what we might be facing with inflation and a recession, uh, it would be then. So we have that information. So let's hop to that. So uh, this next visualization shows um, CPI and rent growth uh, starting in 1964 uh, through today. So at the very um, right of the chart, so where we are today in 2022, you can see inflation um, quite high at 8%. And the only other time it's been this high um, and the only period that I can go back to, like, like you said, is the, the 1970s. So here I've kind of blocked off um, the early uh, 1970s through the early 1980s, where inflation was greater than 6%. And you can see in this window, um, this, this orange line that uh, represents rent growth, it was actually the, the highest it's ever been. Uh, according to this index. So I thought that was pretty interesting to see. Um, and that they've, uh, the two rank growth and CPI have actually been kind of attached with a hit for the last 60 yeah. years. 
I know. I was actually um, just thinking that the correlation, I mean, you can see it in the chart, you know, if you're listening, is just the two lines are moving real similarly. And then basically now we're on this chart, we have inflation to hit over 8%. And the only time we're seeing something similar was in the 1970s. And that in the 1970s period has the highest rent growth of any time on the whole chart. So, I mean, that's reassuring in a, in a, in a way, because we even in this 1970s period, uh, we went, went through a recession like around 1973 to 1975. And that uh, just eyeballing it here, they were getting 5% rent growth during that recession. You know, it wasn't keeping up with inflation, but I mean, that's still significant rent growth where a lot of folks would be happy to be seeing 5% rent growth in the recession. I mean, typically, people are thinking rents are dropping. Um, although it's interesting in this chart, really, there's no period where rents were really um, dr dropping in, a, in much. I mean, in 2010 there, the bottomed up to zero. Um, but so multifamily just, I mean, you can, you can see it in the chart or if you, I guess, if you're just listening, it's you, the rent growth really never went negative in this whole time series we have, which that's just a realization I had now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I guess this, uh, next chart. So, you know, we talked about the relationship between rent growth and then the single family home market. Um, so this uh, chart tracks uh, CPI relative to um, meeting home sales price growth uh, dating back to the 1960s as well. And I've kind of outlined this chart um, in a similar way as I did for the last one where I want to just look at uh, the last environment that we were in where inflation was as high as it is today. So, you know, going back to again, the 19, uh, early 1970s through the early 1980s, where inflation was above 6%. If you follow the, the median home sales price growth in this period, this was actually the highest sustained uh, rate of um, appreciation over the longest duration uh, that we've observed in this uh, index. So over this 10 year uh, plus or minus uh, window, where inflation was really high, that's the most that homes have ever appreciated on record. Yeah, and that story from my dad, maybe he had the right percentages and I just upped it to 20 in my head. But yeah, this we're looking at a period in the early 1970s where homes were going up 12% a year, touching at the, the top there and inflation was, you know, in the 11s, you know. So it's interesting to see uh, it, it do so well, even considering there was a recession in there and you can see the other uh, recessions that occurred where there was a big um, drop in home prices and, you know, or not big, I guess, just a, a drop. I mean, the percentages aren't that uh, massive where it's all of them are less than 10 in this, but the, um, you know, interesting to see because that, that, you know, you can feel kind of reassured looking at these going, okay, we have inflation, what's going to happen? And you're still gonna, you're still going to get growth. So it's, 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 uh, surprising to see for me at least where I thought it would be maybe it's like flat and then you've got to deal with the inflation uh so in the, you know you're 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 not gaining when you include inflation but that's um it's very very interesting to see so yeah great job Evan on pulling all this together and I mean yeah I think that's plenty of it I mean this was really really great it's uh, uh glad we we're able to find all the data and glad you're able to calculate it so I think just to kind of summarize uh, kind of what we what we just covered too, like uh, just real quickly, you know, CPI and rent growth was a point 
six nine correlation, so very high correlation, and and some of the you know charts we put up, you could you could see that too along the way over the years. Rent growth and the growth in the S and P Case Shiller Home Index was a 0.72 correlation, so also very high. And then what was uh, surprising to me, uh, and I'm sure to a lot of people, will be rent growth and the year-over-year mortgage rate increase was not highly correlated. It was a 0.3 correlation. And because you see a lot of people online saying, or just in the conversation, interest rates are go up. That means less home buyers. Less buyers means more renters. More renters equals higher rents. And over the last, you know, uh, since the 1960s, that has not been the case. Probably it's been the case, I'm sure, for short periods of time, but has not been the case uh, over the long haul. We're going to put together uh, a PDF download of this. Um, kind of just take what we already talked about and put together a download that's going to have the charts. So if you wanted to see the charts you weren't able to on this episode, those will all be in there. Um, it'll take a little bit to put it together. So at some point we'll have it out and then that will be on our website in the download section. So you can go to riseinvest.com slash downloads and it'll be in there. That's the same place our passive investing guidebook and the trends report is as well. So uh, then you can kind of, you know, see the results for yourself and, and read it long form. Thanks for joining us on the Rise and Invest podcast. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you'd like to dive even deeper into real estate investing, check out our company's website, riseinvest.com where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook, our trends report, and our blog are all available on our website. If you are an accredited investor, you can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities and the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.